Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so um, I'm sitting in a, a wonderful, comfy hotel room in Boston. Um, me and Andrew Connell are here at SP Techcom. Yeah. So um, thanks for um, stealing some time so we can sit here and talk a bit more about workflow in, in depth. Absolutely, man. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know, um, you know you're, you're a native. You're very comfortable in front of the mic. Um, I've obviously listened to all of your cloud show, and we've been shouting out the show. But um, do you want to quickly explain like who you are, what you do, and... Um, why you're here? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Andrew Connell, uh, you can learn more information about me and different social networks and stuff. At my, just go to my blog, andrewconnell.com, two ends, two L's. In the top right corner, there's a bunch of, like my NASCAR section, where it's got buttons to my account on GitHub and on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that stuff. Um, so, I've been doing SharePoint since 2003, primarily on the developer side, um, spent time deep in WCM workflow. Right now, I'm up here for the SharePoint uh, TechCon conference. We're here in Boston. And uh, I did a, a full day workshop, and then I've got three breakout sessions and doing some panels as well. Um, and it's just mostly all around like the dev stuff, the dev story around SharePoint. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, mostly around the dev stuff. And then I do also co-host a podcast with Chris Johnson uh, called the Microsoft Cloud Show. We do all kinds of cloud stuff and competing stuff, not just 365 and SharePoint, but also Azure and talk a little bit about what the competitors are. And then I've got a little startup that I'm working on in the background as well. It's all built on PaaS, Azure and PaaS, and it's all doing uh, automating VMs and uh, IaaS right now. It's uh, called Curb. Curb. K-E-R-R-B. Yeah, yeah Curb. It's a very com. clever name, but sometimes I'd got to type it in just to check on your updates. And yeah. It's like, ah, uh, where is it again? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I, I didn't, I it's can't claim. It's a very claim, startup name. Yeah, it's a very startup name. I can't claim any credit for the name. CJ came up with that. The whole idea is about to curb your spend, and so it's a play on the word curb and right. saving money with uh, the, in the cloud. So He's the marketing guy. He's the marketing guy, yeah. I'm just the coder guy. I just I'm, He's the one that's shoving the specs under the door, and I'm trying to pump out code. So <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. It's, well, something, uh, yeah. it's I different guess the, from SharePoint stuff, so it's fun to do something different, too, yeah. that's not always what right. you're used to doing day-to-day. That's why I like kind of getting into that world of Angular and stuff, where I'm not just doing web forms anymore and yeah. playing in all the new stacks, which is cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, that That's a... I love... I know you've talked to Scott Hillier before about the single-page app stuff. Yeah, you kind of missed that. I'd love to have got yeah. you on for that. And uh, obviously, you have a plural site course yeah. on it as well, which we've promoted in the show too. Yeah, no, I do appreciate that, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, it was just Scott was there at the time, and obviously, he's been working on stuff too. So. Oh, absolutely. No, it's, he's a... I've done a lot of work with him on this topic. Yeah. And uh, it's fantastic stuff. You guys, I mean, you're getting some great, great traction stuff. You know, on .NET, on the .NET Rocks podcast, Dan Walleen talked yeah, about right. you guys. But I mean, you're doing a that resource of uh, Office Dev on GitHub, um, GitHub.com slash Office Dev. That yeah. thing's got an absolute goldmine of stuff. If you're interested in any of this new age kind of SharePoint Office 365 development, so I'm I'm loving this, man. Absolutely loving what you guys are doing. Thank you. Well, it's a good segue actually because we just actually shipped. Literally yesterday, I think Sonia pushed the button on, um, so Sonia Kopchev and our team, the resources section on dev.office.com. And one of those sections inside the resources section is actually a code samples directory, which mm. um, I kind of own within our team. So just dev.office.com slash code dash samples. And the cool thing is, actually, I'll just show you guys so you can get your reaction. But I can go in here on the filters. So for instance, I could come in and go, show me all the samples that are AngularJS. 
and then it will list all the samples so the complete me app that I built for SPC mm. um, the learning path manager that you build and the research tracker that you and Scott built so it's kind of a cool way of being able to like search for projects based on um, you know what technology you're after and you know when, and no matter where you are it's a great resource I mean it's, uh, looking at it right now I hadn't, I hadn't seen this yet it looks really good I like the I like the filters and stuff. I tell you, you, Microsoft has come such a long way to to see logos like Angular sitting on the dev.office.com right. and the resources page. I mean, being a project that's backed by Google and really founded by Google, but it's I mean that's a it's a killer thing that we can take advantage of in, in the 365 world and really any kind of development stuff. So it's very cool to have that out there. Yeah, yeah and I guess part of that is that everyone's kind of really liking the feedback around the GitHub side of the house too. And I noticed this week you blogged on. Um, some kind of advanced features of like managing markdown pages which is essentially like the documentation yeah. that you build github in so what what have, what have you been finding out there so i guess uh, i've uh i'll say something real quick and then i'll come back and talk a little bit about markdown but i think you know what i found is that um it was something that was new to me it's obvious it's been around for a very long time but it was new to me when i first started getting into uh into github and it I quickly found that it was a really nice way to author pages, really rich pages, um, in a really quick way. Um, I like to refer to it, people who aren't familiar with it, it's basically HTML, but it's in shorthand. And so you can knock something out really, really fast, write a lot of documentation instead of writing HTML or having to use um, a bunch of uh, special key combinations and stuff if you're writing a Word to format documents in Word and stuff like that. So I really do like the fact that uh, I can knock this stuff out really quick. Um, so much so that I even tried recently, and I, I put something on my blog recently on a thing about, uh, a, a post about Markdown, and because I find that Markdown is, it's fairly, it's one of those things that's almost like a cult kind of a thing. Right, like you right. have either been using it for a while and you know it really well, or you don't have a clue what this is and it's intimidating. And so yep. I just threw a post together that just said, hey, here's the tools that I use to, to write it um, yep. really easy. And then I threw a video together at the very end that shows me doing it that really, I think, it's it's one of those things you can hear about it, but when you see the video and something you stand over somebody's shoulder and see right. what they're doing and see the output, it's like oh wow. Yeah. So video kind of shows it's a couple minutes long, um, but yeah, I really like it, and so much so that this week I'm doing for the first time no PowerPoint in my presentations. Yeah. They're all my presentations I'm doing this week are all uh, each one is a GitHub repository. The presentation is just is all written in Markdown, and then I found this uh, uh, with a friend of mine back in Jacksonville. Uh, where I live, uh, there's this library called Reveal.js that you can drop into, um, you drop on a little website and you point to a markdown file um, and it renders out a bunch of slides for you. Or, or they look like slides and it's all done through the browser. So it's neat because it's a, uh, you just create a little branch inside um, your GitHub repository uh, that goes that's to make the GitHub pages website and it pulls stuff straight on over renders it all as slides, looks real, I, I think it looks really cool, it's really simple. Um, and the neat thing is that while people are, are at a presentation, they can go, if you don't know anything about Git, you can just go download a zip of everything in the repository. Right. If you do, then you know how to fork, how to start, how to watch it, how to clone it, and you can make your notes in the session right in line the content that I'm actually doing while you're doing while you're going through and writing it. And I know you can do it a lot with PowerPoint as well, but this just really makes it 
Um, I think it makes it it's very much grabbing the the open source story. Oh, totally. And all that. I mean, it worked really well. I think a lot of people didn't realize it wasn't PowerPoint. Yeah, I had a few um, people said, "How'd you make it look like PowerPoint?" Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> CSS, man. And so that's the JavaScript that's doing that. Right? Yeah. So the the part when you go look at it, when you go to the repository, if you look at the read in the if you look at the readme, there's a link that says "View the presentation." Yeah. And when you click on it. Uh, the link, it takes you to like a black page. Right. And the black page is the, quote, slide presentation. So when I'm using Chrome, I'll do, um, I, I don't know what it is on Windows, but I know that on a Mac, it's like Command, Shift, F. Yeah. And that goes full screen. And it looks just like PowerPoint. The right, animations right. are slick. Well, it's cool because like even the URLs um, inside github.ie when you launch the presentation, like I can go directly to one slide in here and see all the content, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And I do, it's definitely worth people on this, uh, and I'll link to this slide deck, there are some very, very funny animated GIFs in here, which if anyone's seen uh, Slide 9, for instance, um, and I won't spoil it, you have to go and see it, but if anyone who's seen Andrew ever present, he, he does add a, a whole kind of like humor to it, which makes digesting any new content uh, very cool. So it's 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 neat. I, I think from a developer perspective, it's a definitely a, a different way of doing things. And the format does look pretty easy to do in terms of how you build that markdown. So It's just, I mean, yeah. it's H1, H2s... Uh... H1s and H2s and bullet points are just text and images. It's just your base. It, it's nice because if you don't want to look at the slides, yeah. there is one file with all the content. There's no bio stuff. There's no marketing stuff. There's no title. There's no summary slide. It's just the body of it all right in line, one big page right. that you can look at. So the, the presentation.md is that final thing, yep. and then it's basically breaking out slides based on those sections. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I, it came, went across really well today. So cool, thanks. I got yeah. some good feedback from it, and it's a. Uh, Does it support code snippets as well? Yeah, no? the code snippets are really cool. So um, it, the oh, same way you do see form, one. That's if you right. do formatting in, in Markdown, where yeah, you do yeah, a, a fenced block, yeah. so you do the four back ticks. And the neat thing is, if you do four back ticks before and after, and then if it's you have a specific like language, C you can sharp get it. or whatever. Yeah, spell yeah, yeah. C sharp, PowerShell, XML. Yeah, it'll do color syntax formatting for you, and then there's a JavaScript library that Reveal uses to render that out uh, yeah, on the slides. It's so. really, really cool. So I'll yeah. put the links in for that, the other one. Actually, another GitHub one, um, Stephen Follis, who did a session for for the track that I owned at TechReady, which is our internal conference. Mm. And he did it on Angular, and obviously he'd watched all your stuff, and they were building a ton of stuff for customers inside MCS. He started a GitHub page, and I'll link those in the notes too. I'd already tweeted it, and he got a lot of retweets. And essentially, he just links off to all of the information that's available out there in Angular and Office. And there's some really good content that he links to. And um, it was another interesting way I'm seeing GitHub being used for these like bookmark pages where it's just real easy for me to like go in there and add another bookmark and just check in and do the pull request on it. Uh, uh, going along, that's a, that's a cool idea. It is borrowed there. from another one, which I tweeted and, and Stephen was just inspired to do it. And it was James Cunningham had done it. Mm. And the James Cunningham one is the one that just is very Angular JS. Uh, this oriented. one I've seen, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. really good. And he's got it in all the languages and everything, right? Yeah. But that's awesome, like because it lists all the books and the videos and courses and. Have you and you and speaking just on this on this kind of topic, it goes along with um, not only just using GitHub as like a repository for pages, yeah, or for for, for those bookmarks and stuff, but also for um, for sharing the stuff in Angular. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but the Angular uh, John Papa has a repository about an Angular style guide, and it's part oh, opinionated and that. part not opinionated. Right, right. It's, if you're getting into this stuff, yeah, it's a gold mine. I subscribe to the Church of John uh, for his like. That sounds a little too religious, I guess. The Church of John, <laughs> the Church of John Papa, I should say. That uh, about the way that he says you, sh or the way he likes to do single page apps and stuff. Absolutely love it. So yeah, 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 I, yeah take a look at that. 
And then two more, and we'll, we'll finish off with the one that's relevant to what we're going to talk about today. But um, Richard Desirigo, who I think every week now is almost guaranteed to be in my show notes. Um, I don't know where he gets time to do this, but he, um, he just did a post with a video, full code, download, um, of essentially using the Office Graph, which is what is powering Delve, mm. um, to build a full-blown app for SharePoint that pulls the Delve data in uh, in a visual way in those bubbles, a bit like what he did with Social Nucleus, mm-hmm. which was calling the Yammer APIs. Mm. So basically, keeps that same project, got the output, and then threw, threw it against this JavaScript library. But he has a really good job of explaining how the APIs work. Mm. Now, just a, a little bit of a caveat on this, is those APIs are not the official APIs that will be shipping. Mm. There will be a full OData REST4 API um, dedicated for Office Graph, mm-hmm. uh, which will be both a fetch and uh, basically a put, mm. So or get and a put. So I can inject signals in, but that won't be till kind of probably mid next year, late next year. Cool. Um, the the, uh, the gets will definitely be in the early part of next year. Mm. But the decision we made internally was that, well, we're going to be shipping the Delve Windows 8 app if someone choose to, they could run Fiddler and see what it's talking to. Ah, cool. So we figured rather than like having this as a secret you know, source that no one knows exactly how to use, mm. we actually got the content publishing team to do this blog article, which is on MSDN, that explains those things. And it just happens that Richard, as soon as the article came out, jumped on this and built this app in like the weekend. <laughs> um, and as like for my experience from the keynote this morning, where we had Delve, like I had to spend a fair amount of time clicking around things to get stuff to light up in Delve because it's all about sharing with the user and you editing it and them editing it. Mm. And it only looks good if there's a lot of activity. And apparently he spent like three hours with all these laptops open and browser windows and in private browsers and Firefox and Chrome and IE, like just clicking on stuff just so that in 24 (laughs) hours when the search index rebuilt, that Delve would then light up and have some, you know, what, when he did the video, it had some solid content in there. Uh, I don't know where the guy gets the time. I, mean, it's, I, I love to meet him. He's, he's everything that he's doing is. Oh, uh, have you never met Richard? I haven't. We haven't. Oh, uh, really? Not, no, I don't recall. And I know he's got a ton of. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of really good content. It's like there, there are certain people that you know you look at and it's like the stuff they say. It's like you don't really you don't whatever they're talking about. You just kind of stop real quick and like. What's he saying? Like because it's something that could be really it it's it's well thought out. It's yeah. good. There's a it's deep. It's high value stuff. Do you want to make sure that you're not missing something from your uh, uh, from, from the discussion? So yeah, yeah. So that that so Richard's again. He's always on the show. Seems that it's not a bias. Like I do follow like fifteen hundred RSS feeds. It just so happens that there's not that many people blogging at the moment. So yeah. you know, and Richard is blogging quality stuff. So he's going to make it. Yeah. So that's like an encouragement. If you are blogging and you're not getting on these lists and you're upset, please just ping me on Twitter and let me know about your articles, and I'll I'll add you to my feeds. But I'm pretty sure I've got most people through all the tracking I've had over the years. I would say if you've got 1,500. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, and I did try and pronounce his name in one of the earlier shows, uh, Vardaman Dishpandi, and I'm pretty sure that's how you meant to pronounce it. It's based in the UK, works for Content and Code. He's been doing some really good blogging recently. Um, and I, yeah, I think it is definitely Content and Code. Yeah, Content and Code. So he works alongside Chris O'Brien, who y- y- you know... He's definitely one of these up-and-coming bloggers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's the guy that blogged about... There was an Office 365 technical network on Yammer, mm-hmm. a discussion with um, with, with Tim, uh, who's from the workflow team. Tim McConnell. Yep, Tim yep. McConnell. And um, he, essentially in SharePoint Online now, the app package, the .app, there's, if you break open the app package and have a look at the manifest, you can actually tweak uh, at some XML in there 
that allows you now to package a workflow that gets deployed to the host web, mm. uh, whereas not just the app web anymore. And this unlocks so many things. Yep. It, it was something we announced. It was Rob Howard announced it at SPC. Yep. Um, and he was told, you know, it's going to ship right afterwards. You know, you're okay to announce this. And it's now September. <laughs> uh, these things happen. Six months later. Anyway, so that's in SharePoint Online. And now Visual Studio, we're just waiting for the next update. And, and, and that's going to be in there so that you'll be able to do that straight from the tooling. That's so cool. there is an extra step. So... Uh, Vardaman had actually blogged that um, yesterday, so that's up there. Mm. Which leads us nicely into, um, we had a great show with, with feedback from a lot of people on Workflow already. Mm. Um, and and actually, we were chatting about this last night over dinner, weren't we? You were like really impressed with the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've always been a Workflow guy. Mm. Um, what, what, what things impressed you about that show? What were the things that... I like, yeah, so it was a show that you did with Alex Randall. It was really, really good. Um, I like... I liked a lot of the stuff that um, focusing on like the web services piece and how this new architecture that we have in SharePoint 2013, uh, using workflow, treating workflow as an app, because it is an app, but the workflow manager product that's as an app that's sitting outside of SharePoint now and is communicating with SharePoint all over RESTful services, um, authenticating using OAuth and all that. You guys touched on a lot of stuff that was really applicable that I think a lot of people miss. It was actually my session this morning as well um, here at SP TechCon where even if the workflow, we get a bunch of activities in Visual Studio coming from SharePoint, coming from Workflow Manager, coming from the Workflow Foundation um, of different things that we can do inside of uh, our SharePoint-based workflows. Um, Same thing with SharePoint Designer, all the actions that we have. But you can't always do every single thing that you want to be able to do. Sometimes you have other stuff that you that you have to address. Like right. you want to be able to create a list. You want to be able to create a site. You want to be able to manage permissions or something. And there's no activities that let you do that. And so, you know, one of the things that I know that, that you and Alex touched on um, is that you can use the SharePoint REST API to extend the workflow engine for things that activity for activities that we haven't been provided. Right. Um, it's really useful. I think people are really interested in it, judging by the number of people that were in my session this morning too. Yeah, yeah. People were definitely interested in it, especially at a conference where it's not a primarily a developer conference. That was a pretty packed room for um, a developer session. So I mean, I can think their customers are really interested in it. There was one thing that you guys did touch on that I thought that, um, that, that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought would be uh, valuable though for, um, for your listeners who are doing workflow stuff. Um, so at one point you were talking about uh, you could create a custom web service. Uh, that's right. And that custom web service that would live outside of SharePoint. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, you can if you have custom business logic the that you want to work out in your workflow, and previously you would have done it in code in Visual Studio 2010-based workflows. In 2013, Microsoft says, no more. Put that in an external web service. Call the web service from your workflow. Yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense, right? So the trick was is that all the demos that we see that are out there are all about, I'm calling the web service, I'm writing to it, I'm reading from it, and it's all good. But they're all anonymous. They're nothing, nothing talks about being secured web services or how do you secure those web services and how you deal with it. Right, so I could like, and Alex and I, because I asked Alex and he was like, that's just not an area I've worked in. Yeah. Um, was that if I, I had my own rogue console app or whatever, I knew the endpoint, mm-hmm. I could go and call it and... Yep basically bypass the workflow part of the process. Exactly. You And so I think that one thing that you, I see a lot of uh, people run into is how do I deal or how, how do I work with authenticated uh, authenticated web, uh, authenticated APIs? I mean, yeah. that was a, 
there was a, I saw that question coming up over and over and over. So I mean, I, I have a course in Pluralsight that actually walks through. First step is walking through anonymous, but then it's right. let's look at things that are um, other authenticated work, uh, rest services that we talk to. So yeah. I showed I do it with SharePoint. I showed I do it with um, Salesforce. The one though that I think is really interesting is that when you want to create your own custom web service, so what are your options for securing this? Yeah, and there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, you, some people think that, oh, well, I'll just put like a certificate or I'll just put a key or I'll just put like a username and password and I'll have to pass that across from Workflow Manager over to my web service and I'll just make sure that I call it over SSL and everything's secure. But that's not true. It's not secure. Your workflow is accessible by anybody who has access to the, to the site definition or to the site. They can use the CSOM, uh, write some code that runs the CSOM that can find the workflow, get the workflow definition, and download it and see all the contents in it. And if there's any properties that you set, they're all saved in clear text. It's all secured and encrypted, but if you have permissions to get to it, then it's clear text for you. Yeah. So you can see all this stuff. So the trick is, how do I secure my web service that I want to be called from the SharePoint workflows and keep uh, outside eyes from leveraging the web service? And so let's say, for example, you have a web service that deals with customers. And so you are, are gonna, you're going to allow anonymous gets to get customer names or customer whatever it, or directory of users. Um, but you don't want to allow anonymous uh, rights. So what I did was the, one of the processes that I, that, I, that I look at and I do with a bunch of customers is that we set it up so that in a nutshell, the workflow will only respond if will only accept calls from SharePoint and only if they're coming from your app. And then I can take it further and say, only from your instance of that installed app. So basically what happens is, is that within the workflow, the workflow is going to call the uh, remote proxy uh, endpoint. I think it's called like web sp.webproxy. Um, is the Java, is the, the rest call that you make from your workflow into the SharePoint app web, that yeah. where your workflow is installed from. And then from there, you're telling it, I want you to make a call over to where my web service lives. Now, if the target web service, if it's SSL encrypted, right, or SSL, um, protected with SSL, so yeah. HTTPS, which you can do if it's in w Windows Azure website, you can create a free website, and right. if you don't change the domain, then you got SSL right there. Web API. Yeah, well, yeah. you can Web API or whatever, and because it's the new Azure websites, they support SSL, then you don't even have to change the domain, you're good. When SharePoint makes that call to that external web service using the, S the web proxy. It's going to do it using HTTP POST if it's an SSL endpoint, and it will include an OAuth access token, uh, OAuth context token. Right. When your web service gets that context token, um, I, I create a little ha HTTP handler that will look for the context token, look at the verb, see if you're doing a put, a post, anything but a get. Right. And if it contains, um, if you're doing that, it looks in the headers for the context token. It uses that context token inside of a, C, it uses the CSOM with that and context you, token. You call back. I phone home back to SharePoint yeah. and basically say, you just called me with this calling card. Is this a valid calling card? And if I can get the title of the site that you just came from, which is a tiny little call. Yeah, right. I get the response back. If it didn't fail, then I know that this was SharePoint that just called me. Because you had the OAuth token anyway. Exactly. And using sense. the CSOM or the REST API, I can then, from my workflow, call back into the app web and I can say, what's your app ID? Because I've been configured to only work with a specific app. Yeah. I could maybe even say, what is the install instance GUID of your app web? So if I install this, this app inside of, of a SharePoint site, 
I could provide a web UI to it that uses the REST API to give me like a, a the key to that install. Yeah, yeah. I could have some web admin interface where my workflow lives, plug in that ID. Right, and then it totally locks it down. It basically whitelists and says only that instance can call my web service and use it. And then there's even if, I mean, I'll give you the endpoint. You can't spoof a context token right. to which you came from because... SharePoint's going to do it, and SharePoint's going to digitally sign it with a private key. And you can potentially do that across not just the puts, but the gets too. Right? I can like, do it anywhere, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can do it anywhere. It just depends on the decision you're making. Yeah, so I've got, I did, that's a sample that I did, and I'm working on a series of a, a bunch of uh, articles and blog posts, uh, both for my site and for itunity.com, yeah. that talk about different ways to deal with secured web services well, with cool. workflows and different approaches. Um, I really like this ladder model. Um, there's only... I, there's only one potential little vulnerability to it, um, and that's that someone in the app web, if they understand what you're doing and how you're doing all the stuff I just described, yeah, um, they could write JavaScript in the console that calls the web proxy that calls my web service to get date to write data back to it because that's going to tell SharePoint to basically do what just, the workflow just told SharePoint to do. But I guess they're off, so it's going to be doing it against that person's it's identity, do, right? Exactly. And so so I, it's not like total spoofing. Where right, it's, right. And so I can you can check to see, is it was the call originating from SharePoint under the context of a, having a user identity involved with it? And yeah, yeah. There's lots of things that you can do to still protect it. And there's even an approach to say, don't have SharePoint make the call, have Workflow Manager make the call. Yeah. So... The only downs, the, the, the thing that you have to pay attention to with this model is that web proxy only gives you 200K of data back. So it's only going to act as an intermediary of 200K. And so there's things that you can do. Like I'll actually use this to the, the first thing we do is we have the, the web service will return back an access token. And then my workflow then uses the access token, just go, doesn't go through SharePoint anymore. It just goes straight from Workflow Manager to my web service. Right. So it uses SharePoint to obtain an, a valid access token, but my access token is generated by my app yeah, or yeah. by my workflow app. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's it's a little complicated to explain. And I know I'm sitting here doing this with you and I'm waving my waving, hands around. You're waving your hands a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's the key is that, you know, if you really want to lock it down, then that's the best place to... Best place to do that too. Yeah, and it's, it, it's a cool model because they're giving a context token, and you have an idea where the app is installed. Yeah, you can really lock it down and saying only these people can do it. Yeah, yeah. Or even when the app is installed, have an app installed event and have him send the the right. ID over. So you got. I mean, there's a there's I've done a, I've done this a bunch of times with a couple of customers, and it's really cool. We've tried to we've tried to break it, and one customer even hired uh, a web dev to try and break it. And I, we gave him the entire spec of how the whole thing worked and he couldn't break it. Wow, that's awesome. He couldn't hack it in. So we're just like, look, just take it. Yeah, Because yeah. they're tokens and you have to get it from SharePoint. Right. I mean, there's no the, way around it. Yeah, the only way you can compromise it is if there's a way to share to compromise SharePoint and Office 365's access tokens and it's like pretty that. tight. Yeah. But that's going to be a bigger problem. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not too worried about that one happening. If, if that happens, I'm not the one that's B worrying. Building one's burning down at that <laughs> yeah. point. Somebody else is going to be worrying about that one. I'm not so concerned. The, um, so that was that one. And then the other one that I had, and that wasn't from a discussion with Alex. This was a discussion that I think it started on Yammer and um, you chimed in again, the Office 365 Technical Network, uh, was around versioning. So, okay, I've built V1 of a workflow. Yeah. But the business have changed their mind and now I need to ship and vote V1.2 or maybe it's even more major of two. Like essentially what were the application lifecycle management guidance around kind of tracking that workflow as the versions grow and yeah. has it changed between workflow in 2010 compared to workflow in, in 2013? Yeah, so this one, 
it's funny. I got I got the same question from someone in my session this morning, and I think that this, I think that this topic is there's not a there's not a way to do it, or there's not the way to do it. Right. I think there are a ways to do it, and it depends on your approach. So what I'm gonna I'm gonna share what my opinion is. Yeah. And someone very easily could disagree and say, no, 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 I think it should be more like this, and here's why. That's fine. It's a matter of an opinion. So for me, um, I look at it in first, nothing has really changed. From my point of view, nothing has really changed so much between um, uh, SharePoint 2010 and SharePoint 2013. I think it's still all basically the same. The The thing that you have to look at is more of the business, of, of more of the of the the what the task you're trying to do. So if what is a work let's take it from the beginning. What is a workflow? It's a business process that's being automated. Yeah. If I make a change to that business process, am I making a change to it or am I creating a new business process? Right, right. To me, if you're if you're like if it's something about, you know, going to the store and, you know, you're you have a workflow of, of making breakfast. Go to the store, go get milk, go get go get cereal, go get orange juice, check out, drive home, make it. Right. Um, if the process is, be, if you're throwing something else in there saying, nope, we're getting eggs, we're getting bacon, we're stopping at the gas station to fill up on the way home, yeah. you're changing the process. So that would be like an extra step in the workflow. Yeah, an extra step or a pretty significant change to one of the existing steps. Right. To me, that's a new business process. Yeah. And so what I do is I take the approach of take the old workflow, make a copy of it, give it a new name and a new ID. Yeah. Right. right? So now it's like, whatever, making breakfast V2. Yeah. Um, and so much so that when I build my workflows for customers, I always call them making breakfast V1. I right. always start, I always add V1 to it because it's going to change. So I'll go through and I, I add the V2 to it and then I go in and make my changes to my workflow. Now I'm then going to go through and deploy that and everywhere my V1 is being used, I'm going to do the setup V2 the exact same way in terms of the associations. There's scripts you can write to tear through a site and figure all that out. Where is it where it's being used? And thankfully with the CSOM uh, having coverage on the workflow services piece now, yeah, um, right. I can do a lot of that remotely in 365 as well. Yeah. So, what I do then is I, I I set that I set V2 up to be having all the same kind of configurations as V1, and then I go to V1 and I configure all those associations to no say new instances. exactly yeah. no new instances. And so, everybody that's currently using the old one, I let that workflow instance complete. And that, but that the thing is there though, if you've added a stages in the new version. The running instances don't pick up those extra stages. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But that's the challenge too, because even if I go through and I change the workflow signature, like I had added activities or right. I added a state or something. It's not going to be for running ones. No, the running ones are going to break because right. when they get deserialized from a sleeping state to run again, yeah. they're going to try and get deserialized into an object that, that doesn't the match the same signature and it's going to it's going to fail. Well, like sometimes it will work. It's only really if you like if you removed a step in the workflow when it tries to deserialize into that schema it will yeah. break yeah. if you add additional things it tends it doesn't run those things because when it deserializes it doesn't have that right. that step so it just doesn't run it yep. but I, I I guess the and that's the way I've always recommended it back from even in to, to 2010 and stuff yeah so the, and the, the reason I like this approach more I used to do that I used to explain that same thing to people yeah. um, I found that it's easier to keep it simple yeah. because when people start looking at it going, well, what if I make this kind of a change? What if I make this kind of a change? And it's like, no. If you follow the guidance that I just gave, yeah, it, works on, it works every time. Yeah. It works every time. It does mean that, yes, you have a little more work to do because you got to copy it, do this, do this, and do it with all the associations. Right. Um, 
there's probably an opportunity for somebody to write an app to tear through a site and actually say, let me create, you know, duplicate the associations from one to another. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I tend to go more with the, look, this works and I'm not going to be too worried about those little edge cases because I know this is going to work. It's a brand new workflow. I'm not versioning it. I'm creating yeah. a new workflow. I mean, it's, it was the same philosophy in 2010 and it was even more so then because it was more instances where it would break because there yeah. was DLLs involved. Yeah, exactly. And like if your declarative workflow when it did deserialize was calling a method in that DLL that you removed, which I've been in customers where that's happened and it oh, yeah. broke those running instances. So this is a good clean way of aligning the sand of, okay, any new instances use this new version that you've deployed. Yeah. I get from a source control perspective, essentially, I mean, you're renaming the, a bunch of stuff, right? So it's not quite a brand new Visual Studio solution, but it... Yeah, so technically what I do is... Yeah, like I, how do you do that part? All right, we'll go real geeky here. I'll take the project, I'll leave yeah. it as is. I'll then go through and uh, fork off the main branch. Yeah. I'll make that new change and I'll call that a new version. I'll merge it right back in. But because when I pulled that thing out and if it was tagged to the old version, I can always jump back to get the original get one it. was and then branch off of that if I need to do a bug fix. like a Because this this whole thing, this process is really about major changes. If, if it's a change to the workflow that's more or less... N- that you wouldn't qualify as being a change to the business process. Yeah, yeah. If I have a typo in an email, I don't think that's a change to the business process. That's right. you being a bonehead, right? And you got to yeah. fix a typo. So update V1 and just ship it. Don't yeah, worry yeah. about doing a V2 thing. What if you're changing a calculation? Well, is it what how are you doing that? Is it is it a major change? Is it a minor change? Is it changing decimal places in terms of like being a higher level of precision? I don't know. Is it changing the DNS name? of a web service that you're pointing to, of a website where web services that you're pointing to because something changed in your network. That's not really a change. It's yeah, the same right. web service. Yeah, yeah. But if it's something that is, if it's something that is an external impact on your workflow that is changing the, the, the thing that where you have to ask yourself, is this a new process? And, it, and new being new or a fix from the old process and right. not like a tweak then I'd say look to do V2. And that's what, like, if you talk to the guys that are in, like, business process management, like, then there's people full-time do that, right? That's what that's they That's how say. they treat it. That's, that's exactly, exactly how they treat it. And that, so that's why I changed the way I, I looked at it. It was because yeah. I looked at how they did real business process guys. Right. They say it's, it's you know, a new it's a new version of the process. Because the other argument is, is because your workflow is calling a remote web service, technically you could just ship an update to the the remote web service that's being called by the workflow it might even mean you don't have to redeploy the workflow. Yep. And that's an edge case as well because again you might want to just even if it's just to indicate that it's a new version of the workflow you're running. Yeah. Um, rather than like kind of silently behind the scenes changing that business logic that's running in that mm-hmm. that remote web service. But I think yeah, that's the guidance I've stuck by, and I think that's the guidance that you know everyone internally has been pushing as well. So it's the safest, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it starts getting pretty ugly. And you, the last thing you want in production is is broken instances that are running. Yeah. Um, especially if it's kind of crit- business critical Wait. things that are running. And too many times when you got these big workflows, they are. I mean, it's right. like, you know, you look at like an insurance company that are heavy user of that or like anybody that's heavy or manufacturing. Right. You have a workflow that's running and if it's a big workflow and you get 70% of the way through it and the thing just blows up on it, it's like, where did it break or yeah. what, how much stuff got done? And man, do, going through the forensics of that is just, it's... That'll send you to the bar. If SharePoint doesn't send you to the bar, or you know, this will definitely send you to the bar. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. Um, I mean, Vesser is kind of heading up PMP now. Steve Walker like handing the reins over. Yeah, Vesser's been running with the patents and practices stuff, and 
that's definitely an area that they've got on their list to cover around workflow. But there's a few other areas they're covering off first, which is, yeah. I mean, that's growing pretty quickly. Um, we'll definitely make sure that we're referencing your IT Unity stuff when oh, cool. yeah. it comes out as well. Yeah, I'll definitely contact Vesta too because I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to help with that. That, that um, I tell you, for... Especially I know that get, sample around the check-in, the tokens. Like if you ha- already yeah. have that stuff built, yeah, it'd be great to get that in GitHub. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, you know that, that it, you mentioned it, and I'm just gonna I'll call up your show for just a quick second here because <laughs> you're you're. I know you guys have talked about it on the show. You've talked about it um, about the PMP stuff, and I know you've had Vesa and Steve Walker on talk about the PMP stuff as an independent on the outside. I usually. I'm usually not one to jump right onto the PMP guidance from most organizations. Um, or from most groups within Microsoft. But I'll tell you, the stuff that you guys have for the Office Dev Group, and I'm not just saying this because we're friends, but man, this is, that is a gold mine yeah. of samples, especially customers who are going from on-prem to, to trying to go to the new app model, either being on-prem to on-prem or on-prem to 365. I, I, I went through it. I've dug through a lot of the stuff. I've probably only gone through about 50% of it, and I'm really impressed by the quality of the stuff that's in there and the completeness of the samples. Yeah, I think the big thing is the discoverability. Like the mm. guy, I mean, I could keep going on the list. Like Vesta, Steve, and yeah. Frank, oh, it's, it's a Marisco, bunch of people, yeah. and Bert, and Richard Zrieger, and you know, I'm gonna uh, again, I'll get in this trouble where I forget someone, right? <laughs> I know. Schumann, you know, sorry guys, but I can't mention everyone on the show. It will take thirty minutes. But they're, they're the kind of the core guys that have been working on it. I think the key is is that they're working with these customers going through these things. So mm. you know, we're just making it so that it's repeatable that these customers can use it, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are gonna do a bit of work on the discoverability. Mm. So the code samples bit we mentioned at the beginning, I've put 15 of those samples already in there. We've tagged them up. Mm. So if it's a workflow thing, or if it's an Outlook thing, or a Word app thing, you can actually go and search those, and it will show you the PMP space and how you filter things. Yeah. But we're going to go through, like, I've, I've still got to go and register, like, there's 80 in there or something I've got to go and add. Yeah. And we're using Orchard as a CMS, so... Oh, awesome. I'm going to go through, and I know you're a big Orchard fan as well. <laughs> yeah, um, I am Orchard, yeah. So we've been, we've been using that, but it's just, you know, it's my coffee breaks, yeah. my Coca-Cola breaks, <laughs> uh, where I just go there and just keep add, adding those code samples in, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great that we're kind of pumping that content out, so it's cool. It's a great resource. I'm, I love it. It's a... It's a great resource and it's a great demonstration of what you can do with the app model and the CSOM and the REST APIs. It's yeah. really, uh, I know it's very CSOM, they're very CSOM heavy on it. Everyone's got their opinions on like CSOM more than REST and everything, right, right, but right. man, it's a, um, it's, it's a great, it's a great body of work. It's a great sample for people to take a look at, yeah. along with the other stuff in the office dev group. It's been, uh, it's a new leaf, man. It's a new leaf yeah. for Microsoft. There's it's some, nice. there's some cool Android samples coming. Oh yeah. I've seen um, some of the stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. We've got some new ones coming, um, which actually we're going to call later on about. So it's going to be really exciting to kind of get those things going with all the SDKs we've got shipped too. So very cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's a new world, I guess, in terms of learning all these new languages and yeah. how other, other kind of devs out there in the world, are, you know, what their best practices are and making sure we appeal to those guys as well as a standard, yep. standard Microsoft crowd. Yep. Yep. So um, we're running out running out of time. Where and we could probably talk all day, and it'd probably uh, be really valuable yeah. up to about the point where we go for a drink. <laughs> I don't know. It gets really interesting. Well, at that that's point. true. It might not be public publicized by then. At a certain point, yeah. There's a certain cavalry. We so, have to shut it off. So what else have you got on this week? What what topics have you got? Because you know you've got quite a few commitments here, right? Yeah, I'm loaded up this week. I had uh, I did a full day workshop yesterday on I think we called it like the modern development world for Office 365 and SharePoint. So. Uh, had a bunch of people in there that were just all brand new, um, but showing them like what, how they should best look at the development landscape of SharePoint, 
both you know, starting from farm solutions to sandbox solutions to the app model to san- to all the different options and how they should approach them and really trying to really trying to dispel a lot of the the the, the junk that's out there for yeah, people yeah. saying. Um, today I did a REST and uh, uh, using the REST API from SharePoint work, uh, workflows. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I honestly don't remember the order of the next two sessions I'm doing. <laughs> I know one's tomorrow, one's on, one's on Thursday, one's on Friday. But I'm doing one on um, Angular uh, and single-page apps yeah. uh, where SharePoint hosted apps and showing some custom service, Angular services I've written to work with 365. Yeah. Um, and then I'm doing another session on um, uh, a topic of... Uh, I, I'm partial to the REST API over CSOM, and one of the things that the REST API is very chatty, uh, at least today it is. And there's a uh, JavaScript library out there called Breeze, and uh, it's by a good friend, Ward Bell. Um, they have, uh, basically it lets you do think entity framework, but all in JavaScript. And yeah. so I don't write any REST queries, I write link queries in JavaScript and it translates all that stuff for me on the back end and, and that, gets all the learning to work. The, the learning path manager that we linked to in the code samples, that's all using Breeze, right? I, I think that one might have been, or that one was using... Work, there's two versions. One uh, has a workflow okay. in it, and one has Breeze in it. Right. Um, because that was that learning path manager was from my single-page app Pluralsight course. That's right, it was. And so we, that course forks at one point and says, we're going to replace the Angular... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it does do different things. I think I, I think you guys have the workflow one. We have plenty one. of articles on it on your blog, though. Oh right? yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's the presentation that I'm doing. By the time people listen to this, it'll be on. It's on GitHub. So yeah. GitHub.com, whack Andrew Connell. Yep. And then look for the look for the repos that start with um, pres cool. for pres dash, and then they're listed there. So they describe what they're for and everything. And um, after the session, I actually go in. If there's any edits that have to be made to the session, I make those. Like and a typo. I, Oh yeah, like I a was, typo. I was trying to get off the hotel <laughs> Wi-Fi, which obviously killed me in the keynote a little bit. Yeah, because I was going to go and fix that typo and do a pull request, and you could have demonstrated and then merged it in. But yeah, it's, it, well, it's it cool. wasn't playing for me. No, it was cool because it was right before the session. We noticed the the link that I was pointing everybody to to go to the repo. Yeah, yeah. It it ends with the letter I. It was a REST API, and I forgot the I in the presentation or oh, the markdown. No. So right before the session started, while my virtual machine was booting up. Uh, you don't see it here because actually it's fixed. Uh, so I ran in. Well, oh yeah, so it's missing there. It's yeah. missing on the title. And I ran in and I made the edit to it and I just opened up my Git client and I did a push and refreshed the page yeah, and poof, my presentation showed up. updated. Yeah. It's the future, man. I love Developing it. presentations using GitHub is pretty hardcore. Yeah, well, and, it's, and for the people that are probably being you know naysayers of this, there is an option for me to do it local too. So it's all based, Reveal is all based on Node and so I can just go through and say, Start a node server up real quick. It's one command using Gronk. Well, so, technically, you could even use OpenXML to generate a PowerPoint tech based on the markdown. That's uh, the other you, way to do it. Yeah, you can do that. And that, the reveal thing, too. If you try to print out my slides from reveal, it yeah. prints it out as a PDF. Really? Yeah, so they've got a whole C, a whole um, CSS just wow. in media queries to go through and to do. That's pretty neat. Uh, it's, it's, I, I was blown away. The thing that blew me away is it took five minutes to build the presentation. I built the markdown. And then I built the, and then I did one thing yeah. to make it slidey. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of the code samples. We don't have to muck around with those things. I mean, although you can copy and paste directly from Visual Studio, sometimes yeah. it just doesn't look great on the screen. No, and it, you know, the other thing I'm looking, I'm kind of looking forward to is that you know we've all had those cases where our environments have blown up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we lose no, internet. No, really. Oh no, you haven't seen that. No, it didn't happen this morning. So like you're you lose your internet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or you lose your VM, and stuff yeah. just blows up. And sometimes it's like it's. For in a developer session, it's not always critical to see the thing that you're building work. Yeah. All right. 
I it, it is nice. And so I now go to sessions where I have a video showing it working. Yeah, just in case. But worst case, all I need is a text editor, which yeah. I use Sublime. Yeah. And um, a Sublime and just fire up the local Node server and I can show the slides and then I can just click through the code and show a video of the whole thing working. And I mean, I could, that means you could essentially, you could present, and I've done it, you could present from an iPad or right, from right. one of the little Windows 8 tablets or something yeah. and not need Visual Studio and all that stuff. You can just go super, super simple. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing where you push the bar around that stuff as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll make sure all this is in the show notes. Um, I know you've got some cool pod shows coming out on the cloud show. Um, I won't spoil anyone's fun. I'll wait till those get shipped. Yeah. Um, I did notice that there was one that came out yesterday day before uh tuesday i'm trying to remember which one which episode that was we have a we have a backlog of stuff that's the the bi one well, how, how'd you get there the bi one it was a bi one yeah so business intelligence so if you go to microsoftcloudshow.com um we did an interview with uh seong Ri recently uh about the bit about the microsoft business intelligence stack which falls into the office 365 bi stuff right and um you know, we had so many questions from people asking us to talk about BI. Yeah. And I'll be completely frank in that I don't understand it. Because I have not been able to follow and keep up with the story of what the whole BI story is. And um, and the uh, it was very it was really it was nice to sit down with Siyong and I was able to pretty much get him to explain to us where we are and what's the entire landscape and how do I look at this stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that Power BI was essentially an all-up term for things like Power View, Power Query, Power Map, and all that right. stuff. I didn't realize that it was all in Excel and I could do this stuff offline, and I didn't need a whole server-based side of this whole thing. I didn't realize what 365 gave us. So that was that was really beneficial to see all that stuff. I guess that episode, that was probably episode 44, which went live last week. Yeah, I'm just looking at the page here. So episode 45, so you've been going for a while now. Yep, yeah, almost a year. We're getting very close to a year. Yeah, um, so this one was around uh, Office Client Apps and Office 365. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is one where um, CJ was the host for this one. We kind of yeah. take turns being host. Yeah, yeah. He was the host for this one, and we talked a lot about like the out the 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 office clients, the client apps that are out there between um, the iPad desktop, and then a lot of the things that you can do um, in an enterprise with this thing called the telemetry dashboard, where an organization can see how people are using Office and Word and Outlook within the enterprise right. um, from this single dashboard. How many people are using this feature? How many people are using that feature? How many Ooh, macros cool. are being run? I had no idea this thing existed. He brought he dropped this on the during the podcast. I'm like. Really? Right. I got a friend who does add-ins that would love to see yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah, be able to see what's going on. Yeah, so companies can get that. So, yeah, we we talked a little bit about that in this well, one. That's cool. I've yeah. actually, I've, I haven't listened to that one yet. Well, it only came out on the fifth. Yeah. Oh so no, it was, was recording on the fifth. It was recording on the fifth. It came out this week. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so we've got a we have a bit of a backlog. Like I know, like the next episode, we're thankfully a little bit ahead right now, and then we're doing a bunch of recordings from the different panels that are going on this week at right, SB right. TechCon. Yeah. And we're doing like an after show, or an after show kind of a thing with the participants of each panel yeah and then cj and i will make that into each one will be an episode and i'm we're playing with the idea of either dumping all of them in one week or spanning them out and i, I think i kind of want to dump them all in one week because yeah, yeah. we are not just sharepoint yeah, yeah. we want to be you always cloud. said that as well the few first few episodes and it was like 10 episodes of sharepoint yeah we needed to do that i think what we we want to do that because frankly we needed to gain some traction with yeah, the podcast to get some listeners and yeah, yeah. let's face it my audience is sharepoint 
yeah. CJ's audience is SharePoint. Right, right. And so once we did that, we pivoted a bit, and when we started going with Azure, we talked about AWS. Um, AWS, Amazon Web Services, not Azure websites. It's valuable for people who are listening um, where they cover off the Azure features and what's new in the Azure Web Dev side of the house. Yeah. Oh I've learned a lot, like, because, I mean, I, I have a few RSS feeds on the Azure blog. Mm-hmm. And if I leave it a week to keep up, there's like 28 posts and all these things that have come out between yeah. Scott mentioned announcing stuff or the Scots mentioned announcing stuff. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They are. Yeah, document DB and. Those guys. Those guys are just the Azure team is just amazing to me. It is yeah. a we have a hard time sticking up with it, staying up with it too. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. I have a weekly task where I go in and I've got a bunch of Azure blogs I look at, grab right. the links, what's new, and that's what you're going to talk about in the shows. Yeah, and I, I do the same thing with AWS, with Amazon Web Services, to see yeah. what they do because I it's important to look at what the competition Absolutely. does. Absolutely, yeah, So yeah, yeah. and now I'm starting to do the same thing with Google as well because right. they've because they've started pushing hard. They've really pushed hard. They've yeah. got a whole new startups program that they're doing, like Microsoft's BizSpark and. Amazon's Ignite program, so I'm you know keeping a close eye on those too. So yeah, it's a really fun time right now. Stuff is moving so fast, and uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of fun time. Well, keep it up because I really enjoy all those shows. Cool, you keep up this podcast. Yeah, this, you get, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, of this it's, it's fun it's listening a bit of a to. One man band at the minute. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I keep saying to CJ, but he's like, I already have one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. It's just good catching up with everybody, and yeah. especially being in Redmond, you know, you just walk around with that in your bag and go. You got a minute or yeah. maybe 30 minutes? Yeah. And most of the engineers are like, totally, let's go. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it can be tough for us because it's I'm recording from the East Coast and I'm trying to get uh, these guys and yeah, like, yeah, right. let's do, like, I'm going to be on a podcast in a couple of weeks, the um, the Azure podcast. Oh, cool. And we're doing they're doing an interview at, with me and some of the guys are based on the West Coast yeah. and they record at 9.30 at night, their time. Ooh, hardcore. <laughs> yeah, so I will not be having a cocktail before that even before no, I do that right. podcast. It'd be like, oh, 12.30, like, are we done? Good. Good night, guys. I've already yeah. taken my contacts Go out and brushed my teeth. I'm in my pajamas already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not turn the webcam on for this one. Thank <laughs> God it's only audio. Yeah, exactly. That's another good one, though. If you're yeah. looking for Azure News, the Azure podcast is really good. Yeah, I listen to the, Yeah, well, you did a show recently where you recommended those shows. Yeah. And there was a few I wasn't aware of, which I've added, but it's... Where's the commute in? Like when I was in New York, I was it was only ten minute walk to work. Yeah. Whereas now, like I'm, well, some days it can be twenty minute drive. So I just every every drive, I'm listening to different shows. So yeah. It's good. Try working from home. Your commute's twenty seconds. I, <laughs> I, I, I listen to them when I'm working out or I'm in, when I'm out for a run. So that's the that's the only time I get to listen to them. So downloading the Matrix for it, listening to the pod shows. Oh yeah, pretty much. But uh, it's cool. I like I like listening to it when I'm like running or something because it. You get focused on the podcast and the content, and I forget about the fact, like you know, you're dying. Yeah, I gotta breathe this way. I gotta make my arm. I gotta sit there and have my form this way. It's like no, you just go on autopilot, and you're just thinking about this stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Cool. Well, enjoy the rest of the week. It's really good uh, catching up. Absolutely, man. And we'll most definitely get you back on the show because I know you're working on a ton of stuff with us. So cool. Looking cool. forward to it. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.